The House is now out of session and will not return for floor votes until June 14th. The Senate will come back tomorrow and stay in session through Thursday. Last week in the House, they came back to work on Monday and took up and passed a bill under suspension of the rules. On Tuesday, the House took up and passed the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act under suspension of the rules. Then the House took up and passed the rule governing floor consideration of H.R. 1629, the Fairness and Orphan Drug Exclusivity Act, and H.R.S. 275, condemning the horrific shootings in Atlanta, Georgia, on March 16, 2021. On Wednesday, the House took up and passed H.R.S. 275, condemning the shootings in Atlanta by a vote of 245 to 180. Then the House took up and passed H.R. 1629, the Fairness and Orphan Drug Exclusivity Act, by a vote of 402 to 23. Then the House took up and passed H.R.S. 409, the rule governing floor consideration of H.R. 3233, the bill to establish the National Commission to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol complex, and H.R. 3237, the Emergency Security Supplemental to Respond to January 6th Appropriations Act. The rule passed by a vote of 216 to 208. Then the House considered a motion to table H.R.E.S. 414, a resolution offered by Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy that would have directed the attending physician of the House, quote, to take timely action to provide updated mask wearing guidance applicable to the whole of the House of Representatives and committee meeting spaces for members and staff who are vaccinated against COVID-19 consistent with the public guidance released by the CDC and Prevention, May 13, 2021, end quote. The motion to table carried by a vote of 218 to 210. Finally, the House voted on H.R. 3233, the bill to establish a national commission to investigate the events of January 6 at the Capitol complex. The bill passed by a vote of 252 to 175, with 35 Republicans crossing party lines to vote with the Democrats. On Thursday, the House took up H.R. 3237, the Emergency Security Supplemental, to appropriate $2 billion for enhancements to security in the Capitol complex. That bill barely passed by a vote of 213 to 212. The squad was unhappy. So three Democrats, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, and Jamal Bowman, voted present, and three Democrats, Ilan Omar, Cory Bush, and Ayanna Presley, voted no to express their displeasure with the notion of sending more money to the Capitol Police without first including new accountability measures. And then they were done. Last week in the Senate, they came back to work on Monday and voted to invoke cloture on the motion to proceed to S-1260, the so-called Endless Frontier Act bill that would establish a new Directorate for Technology and Innovation in the National Science Foundation to establish a regional technology hub program to require a strategy and report on economic security, science, research, innovation, manufacturing, and job creation to establish a critical supply chain resiliency program and for other purposes. On Tuesday, the Senate voted by 50 to 48 to discharge the nomination of Kristen M. Clark to serve as an assistant attorney general from the Judiciary Committee. Then the Senate voted by 50 to 49 to invoke cloture on SJ Res 13, a CRA resolution of disapproval on a rule submitted by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission relating to updating of commission's conciliation procedures. On Wednesday, the Senate voted by 50 to 48 to pass SJ Res 13, the CRA resolution of disapproval on the EEOC rule. 
Then the Senate took up S-1260 and began considering amendments. On Wednesday and Thursday, the Senate considered four amendments. One passed, three were rejected, and then they were done. This week in the Senate, they'll return tomorrow with the first vote set for 5.30 p.m. That'll be a roll call vote on cloture on the nomination of Chiquita brooks Lashure to be administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Then, based on Majority Leader Schumer's cloture filings, I anticipate the Senate will take up the nomination of Kristen M. Clark to serve an assistant senator. I'm sorry, to serve as an assistant attorney general at the Department of Justice. And the Senate will then resume its consideration of S-1260, the Endless Frontier Act. Now, to that National Commission to investigate the January 6th attack. When last we left discussion of the proposed January 6th commission, I told you that even though New York Republican John Katko, the ranking member of the House Homeland Security Committee, had been deputized by Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy to negotiate on behalf of House Republicans, and even though Katko had come to an agreement with Benny Thompson, the Democrat chairman of that committee, McCarthy was still withholding his support. He had not yet had enough time to review the terms of the agreement Thompson and Katko had negotiated, he said. Over the weekend, he apparently read the terms of the agreement and concluded that it would be best if the commission were not established. Remember, he got much of what he had insisted on from the start. He got a commission that would be composed of an equal number of Democrats and Republicans, rather than the seven to four Democrat advantage that Speaker Pelosi had originally proposed. And he got a requirement for bipartisan support in one form or another for the issuance of subpoenas, as opposed to letting Democrats have the exclusive power to subpoena witnesses. But what he did not get was an agreement on the scope of the commission. That is, what would the commission actually be tasked to investigate? In Speaker Pelosi's world, apparently the only political violence worth investigation is the violence that occurred on the grounds of the U.S. Capitol complex on January 6th of this year. McCarthy and most other congressional Republicans think that's only part of the story, that if we're going to have a bipartisan commission to investigate political violence, it should also be tasked to investigate all the violence that occurred last summer and fall during protests regarding the death of George Floyd in police custody. But Democrats refused to give on that subject and insisted that the scope of the commission's investigation be limited only to the events surrounding January 6th. That wasn't the only thing senior Republicans were worried about. In addition to the scope, they were concerned over the timing and the staffing of the commission, though the agreement negotiated by Thompson and Katko explicitly said that the commission's work would be completed by the end of this year. Republicans worried that the work could be delayed and bleed over into next year, an election year, when Republicans in both House and Senate will be working to recapture their individual chambers. Two, they were concerned that all the personnel decisions regarding the staffing of the commission would be made by Democrats alone. And they worried, rightly, if you ask me, about the objectivity of a biased partisan staff. So McCarthy announced on Monday his objection to the agreed upon language. And though he never authorized the House Republican leadership operation to formally whip the vote, he nevertheless made it clear to his Republican colleagues that he opposed the bill and wished them to vote against it. On the Senate side, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, too, announced his opposition to the legislation. In particular, he leaned on the staffing argument. In the end, the bill passed, as everyone knew it would, because all it needed was the votes of Democrats to pass it, and Republican losses were limited to 35. Now, finally, to infrastructure. Negotiations between the White House and congressional Republicans over President Biden's desire for a $2.3 trillion infrastructure bill continued 
this week. But by week's end, Senate Republicans were complaining that they were farther apart than they had been at the start of the week. On Friday, the White House released a new version of its proposal. The Biden administration said it would come down from its initial proposal of $2.25 trillion to $1.7 trillion, a cut of $550 billion. But that was still more than twice as much as Senate Republicans had said they were willing to support. And the two sides had yet to come to agreement on the definition of infrastructure and how the package would be paid for. The Biden administration continues to want to pay for the spending by undoing the 2017 Tax Cut and Jobs Act and raising corporate and individual tax rates. Senate Republicans continue to oppose that and offer increases in user fees instead. Meanwhile, liberal Democrats in both houses are demanding that the White House abandon any further negotiations with congressional Republicans, insisting that Republicans will never support Democrat spending plans. They say Republicans are just deliberately dragging out the negotiations in an effort to freeze the ball and run out the clock. But were Biden to abandon the negotiations and try to move a bill with nothing but Democrat votes through the reconciliation process, he still has a Manchin problem. West Virginia Democrat Senator Joe Manchin has said repeatedly he does not think these massive spending packages should be passed on a partisan basis with no Republican votes. And if Manchin continues to insist on that and backs it up by refusing to commit to voting for a reconciliation package that gets pushed through solely on the strength of Democrat votes, he's got the power to prevent Biden and the rest of his Democrat colleagues from getting what he and they all want. Biden has said he wants to see substantial progress on the negotiations by Memorial Day. He has left vague, deliberately, I'm sure, so as to give him himself wiggle room, his definition of, quote, substantial progress, unquote. For now, stay tuned. We've got at least another week of negotiating before we get to what Pennsylvania Democrat Senator Bob Casey Jr. calls the fish or cut bait moment. And that's our Washington Report for this week.